Hey, this is Patrick Tui, president of Elite Performance Tui. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsas. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. Perhaps the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. Hey, listeners, welcome to today's episode. Great to have you with us here, and I have a wonderful guest with me this week and uh, in today's session. His name is Patrick Tui. And he's uh, when his brother, um, Hall of Fame basketball coach Kevin Tui, was dying from lung cancer. Patrick promised him he'll continue his fervent work of athletic coaching. However, his background in corporate business showed him just how similar athletic coaching is to the corporate world. He discovered that his life calling is encouraging athletes as well as business leaders to work towards their full potential as people and in their careers. He's just launched a new book, and it's called Create Forever Teammates. Patrick, a big warm welcome to you. Thanks so much, Dennis. I really enjoy having the opportunity to be on your show and with your audience. It's uh, always exciting to uh, talk about these things and and really share you know ideas and things together and, and be part of it. So thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. And Patrick, whereabouts are you in the world today? So I'm in a place called Niles, Michigan, which is known as the Midwest part of the United States. For those that are familiar with the big city like Chicago, it's due east about an hour and 20 minutes. Cool. And have you always, is that where you originate from? Is that where you grew up as well? Actually, I grew up in New Jersey, New York area and lived there the first 21 years of my life and actually ended up in the Midwest by going to play college basketball. And met my future wife there and mm. she wanted to settle in the Midwest. So we made sure we did that. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. Very good. Um, and so the other thing too, I wanted to ask you was about the the book. So create forever teammates. What's, what's it about? Yeah. I wrote the book Dennis because in my observations, either through the corporate experience that I have or my coaching experience, I, I noticed some things around this, overstatement or over-focus on ex- what I call extrinsic outcomes, meaning, you know, what, 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 are, what are the performance measures? What are the skill development? What are the end results that we're, we're getting and that we're so focused on achieving? And how is that affecting, for lack of a better term, the human side of things, the relationships, the 
connections? And is there something more that we should be paying attention to that would develop an experience for people that would be more joyful, more passionate, more purposeful, more um, in line with that there's a there's a bigger picture than just those outcomes and results. And I do believe that there's there's many things that have changed that have, in fact, harmed the ability to have a deeper connection in relationships. And so I wrote the book to try to get us back there, to try to find ways to integrate some tenets and lessons that we could use in the current culture we're in to bring that same kind of powerful experience to those co-workers, leaders, and athletics. Wow, that's awesome. Do you know that um, many years ago, probably about 30 years ago, I read some books from some basketball and other coaches as well, and they talked about one thing being in particular about the teammates actually knowing each other really well, um, not just their names, but you know, can you name who their father is or can you name whatever and a few other things. Is that still relevant today as part of that relationship building and understanding each other? Do we need to know each other or do we just get on with our lives and know that that's Joe Bloggs over there or that's Sally over there and we just have to keep on going? What, what do you think nowadays? Well, I think it's imperative that we continue to work on making sure it's much more than just the results and the outcomes and that relationships and that connection. And I love how you stated it's, I use the word intimacy uh, when I, when I work with, with the the people I work with in the, in the workshops and this word of intimacy, meaning intimacy, which means I know your father-in-law, which I know, I know you at a deeper level. And as a result of that connection that we have with, with each other, the, the 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 success I would like to see you achieve is something that's that's more exciting to me, more interesting to me because I'm not so self-absorbed, and I'm building all of those intimate relationships in a way that a byproduct of it is so much more of a powerful experience and performance that it gets us to the fullest capacity or fullest potential of what we're able to execute. Is it, it's a wonderful fuel that if time is spent on it, and that's the biggest challenge, is, is there time to spent on these soft skills, on these intrinsic spirit and connection skills? Is there really going to be some results as a result of a trusting that that's part of building a powerful team? And fear, fear, if I may real quickly, fear, Dennis, is what distracts us from us. Fear of not getting the results, fear of the numbers, of the outcomes, and that if we if we don't spend all our time honing our craft, being coming be, being come, become very good at what we do, then we're going to lose out. We're going to fall behind. But if we really take a step back and say, what does that human element contribute? How important is it? And time and time again, it shows that when we spend time on that, it gets us to a whole different level of performance. But as importantly, brings a whole different level of joy to the experience. Wow, that's awesome. So listeners, look at that. Straight away, bang into it. And uh, we're getting some awesome insights here from Patrick as well and, and his thoughts around teams and around leadership and the way that we work in particular around skills. I actually did an interview with another gentleman called Phil Holden, uh, Patrick, here in New Zealand. And um, he's a chairman of some boards and so forth. And he talked about the soft skills are actually hard skills. 
And in other words, um, you know, they're, they're, they're important, but they're actually the ones that are going to really help us, but not always easy to do. Um, and so I'm glad what you're just sharing there with us, and it sounds like the book as well really helps people understand it a little bit more, but it's really, really important that we actually pay attention to do, to it and do something with it. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, when I talk to people who are working in this kind of environment and culture, you know, a lot of what I hear now, it's not everybody, Dennis, but there's a there's a big enough percentage of people that what I hear from them is, you know, that their experience is more dr- drudgery than it is hmm. fun. You know, that that there's this lack of a whole bunch of different things that are occurring, lack of trust, lack of 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 this sense of being included and belonging and a lack of really just having any kind of connection to the the people within the organization or on the athletic team that would give them a reason to want to contribute at a different level. And so because, and then there's other challenges as new generations come into the workforce, they want more from the experience. They believe it or not, Dennis, they want a more balanced life. They, they want to tap into, you know, what is it? What else is important? What's in the bigger picture about my whole experience and who I am as a person, not only in being, you know, a very strong leader, not only being very dedicated to my craft, not, not only becoming very skilled, but there's other parts of my life that are very important to me. And those other parts of their lives have to do with a lot of family. It has to do with friends. It has to do with connections. It has to do with, you know, this human element. Now, these as leaders are things we have to be paying attention to. If we're going to keep the most talented people, if we're going to keep the most um, powerful performers, these are the things that we need to begin to adjust to. And I know for me that it's this, you know, industrial age mindset is what I call it or refer to it that we operated under for a long, long time. And it served us very well. It served us very well. However, things are changing. They're already in flow. This, this worker, this teammate wants to have collaboration, co-creating. They want to have this inclusion. They want to have all these things. There's guardrails to it. It's There's things and disciplines that have to remain in place. But overall, as leaders, it requires emotional intelligence. It, re- it requires a whole bunch of skill sets that maybe we're not so used to, or we have to develop ourselves as leader, which becomes very discomforting because that's not how we're used to leading, but this workforce is demanding it from us. So it's really exciting to me. And I, I love the fact of learning and growing. And as a leader, um, you know, how do I need to change? What, 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 am, what fears am I willing to face? You know, how am I be able to look at my shortcomings and, and things of that nature and become a more powerful influencer and motivator? Because as leaders, I mean, that, that, that's our primary job. How are we influencing and motivating? We need to know where our people are in respect to the space they're in and the present time they're in and the shoes that they're walking in and how they see things differently. So I know I've gone on a little bit there, but it's but it's all those things. Yeah, it's brilliant. Well done. Thank you for sharing. I think they're wonderful things. And fear is a big one. It actually holds a lot of people back. I mean, they're not happy at work and they're not they, they don't like it because it's not they're not being treated well or there's all sorts of things going on, but they don't go. Why? Because of the fear of not getting another job and am I going to do this and can I can I succeed in another role and is the grass really greener on the other side? So there's a lot of things that go on through people's minds and 
that those six inches between our ears, wow, they that processes a lot of things, right, uh, for a lot of people. So, Patrick, how did you get into leadership? I would say my initial introduction to leadership didn't come with you know a purposeful intention to do so. It evolved around athletics, um, and so you know as I participated in sports at the high school and college level. When I was at the college level, I was given the you know for the first time the responsibility of being a captain, uh, which meant that I had to think about somebody other than myself, um, and. As a result of that, it required learning some leadership skills. And so, you know, that was the that was the introduction to it. And I know that when I got involved with it, it, there were things that were very exciting to me about having that responsibility. And as I moved on, I had full intentions of being a coach and a teacher. And I was excited about that. However, um, one way or another, as I did my student teaching, I came, I became disenchanted by, by teaching and thought maybe I need to be more in the business side of things. So I worked my way through the business uh, career that I had to the point that I was given the responsibility of being a manager. So a manager. So now I was in my second position of having to influence and lead others. And I loved every second of it. I loved every second. What did I love about it? I loved the fact that this challenge of truly helping people perform at their highest level, but at the same time being very in touch with a personal connection with them. And this idea that I was very, very clear on the fact that my one of my major goals is I want these people to succeed more than myself. And with that in mind, I, I was able to, you know, open myself up to a commitment of getting a lot of joy out of watching these workers succeed. And so that led to fast forward. I decided, you know what? I want to run my own company. I want to start my own company. Um, I want to give it a go. I think it's worth the risk. I remember telling my wife, I'm going to be leaving this corporate job and I'm going to go start a company. She said, you're crazy. We have two young kids and you're blowing this great career you've built for yourself. I said, Deb, I have to try it. I have to do it. And so I did. And so that put me in a whole different level of not only running a business, owning the business, um, learning, you know, who are, who are the right people in respect to not only what's their commitment to the work, but what's their commitment to the culture that I wanted to build. Mm. And I wanted to build a culture that was one that, and, and this is one thing that I'm very proud of Dennis to this day, that I would say when we, when I started that company and it ran for about nine years, I lost one employee in that whole time because the, the people loved working there. They loved the environment. They loved the culture. They loved the mission. And it was a very hard decision to sell that company, but I did. And I ended up working for the company I'm with right now called Allied Solution in a senior vice president's level. And I oversee, you know, one of the divisions there. So I'm in a leadership role there. And then I started this coaching, life coaching. It's called Elite Performance TUI, where I work with athletic teams and other corporate leaders in helping them build forever teammates, uh, helping them build a culture that has real passion and purpose to it. Mm -hmm. 
Very good. Patrick, I want to ask, ask the question, that is the transition when you decided to go to leave that corporate job to go and start in that business uh, for the first time and your wife said you're crazy, you've, you've built the strong career. And because I think there's a lot of people that I work with today who are high performers, but they're actually thinking about going and starting their own business. And, and you know, we talked about that fear thing before and so forth. What was the transition like for you to go from the corporate world into that your own business? There was a lot of fear initially. And it's an interesting thing that occurred because my brother Kevin helped me with this a lot. You know, when you're driven by fear to, to succeed, it, 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 it can work and it does work. Um, however, what I was finding when I moved from the corporate world to this own business, that, that the fear that I was feeling was so much more intense because I felt an overwhelming responsibility, not only to my family and what I decided to do, but there was a whole bunch of other employees who were relying on me also. And so I got to be honest with you. I wasn't having a lot of fun initially. Um, we were succeeding, Dennis. However, taking on this overwhelming responsibility and the fear I felt for others in their trust in me, all of the successes we were having along the way were short-lived because I was in the next thing that had to happen in order to keep everybody secure, safe, and the company successful. I wasn't enjoying very many moments. I wasn't enjoying some of the unbelievable innovation that was occurring, some of the celebrations that needed significant celebrations in deals that were done or relationships that were built with other business partners or all the many other things that, you know, in a successful business present themselves. And if you're not present and if you're not, um, if you're not reflecting, if you're not allowing yourself time to to take in those moments, you know, once you hit the once you hit the prize, once you once you hit the goal, you look back and you say, I, I don't really even remember much of it. And there wasn't a whole lot of fun I felt. Um, and so my brother Kevin, I reached out to and talked to him about what I was dealing with. And he said to me, Patrick, your, your focus and your energy and your concentration is all in the wrong areas. Um, they're necessary. I'm not telling you all of the things that you're strategizing and executing and planning and things of that are, are necessary. However, your laser focus on it is you'll, you'll burn out within five years, six years, you'll burn out. So I said, okay, help me, help me. I'm, I'm all ears. Um, I'm, I'm willing to learn. And, um, you know, he introduced me to these tenets and he introduced me to these principles. And all of a sudden I had a whole different energy set. I had a whole different, I could take on even more responsibility and I could take on even more energy and work because I wasn't draining myself with the pressure, with the stress, with the overwhelming drive to not fail. You know, failing is such, I, I try to teach in my lessons today, Dennis, to embrace failure, to, to thank it, to, to get curious about it, to, to, because mastery can't be achieved without failure. 
But if you're but if you're operating from a position of failing is a bad thing and I have to avoid it at any cost. And when it occurs, I really have this internal dialogue of beating myself up that I'm not good enough. This 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 isn't going to make it. I, I, I made the worst decision in the world. I'm not very good at that. I mean, it's just it's really toxic if we if we don't. Kevin introduced me to this concept of of thanking fear, Patrick, thank it. Um, and all these other things that became more important to me, Dennis, and it changed the entire outcome. And, and I, and I know this for a fact that, so I've been in it, in it now for uh, almost 28 years and I, and I still love it. I still love it. And what I love most is watching my coworkers and the people that I've brought into the organization succeed, influencing them to want to be the best at who they are as people in how they're treating each other and always wanting to make sure they're the best in the industry when it comes to their craft because their fuel is the joy and the passion they feel from the intrinsic goals and developments that we commit to each other every year awesome just awesome i um i remember my first six months when i went from the corporate world into 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 my own business and it was a lot of fear and it was a lot of the unknown but one day i woke up and just bang on what you're just sharing there right uh based on what your brother was saying about thinking the fear i turned around and said you know what if i'm going to do this and i'm going to fail just do it really well. Fail big time. Go out there and make it happen, man, and just uh, just embrace it. And that's that's what really helped me change and think about things. Is it rosy every day? No. Is it ups and downs? Yep. And is it hard? Yep. But also, is it worthwhile? Yes. And that's the big resounding yes that we get as well. So, yeah, Patrick, thank you so much for sharing that because I think there's a lot of listeners out now thinking about where they want to go. And even if it's into another large corporate role, into another stepping up, I think it's the same thing too that they need to think about for sure. So it's good. Patrick, I'm going to move on to another question now. And that is, this person could be alive or from history. Uh, who's your favorite leader and why? So I have two. The first being John Wooden. And John Wooden was a legendary head basketball coach at UCLA. And I think he won 11 national championships which when you when you think about you know you've you've reached the top of your trade and you've done it 11 times which substantiates that year in and year out you are performing at a level of uncommon excellence and and how does the consistency of that occur that was my interest in John Wooden is it's one thing, and it's hard enough to, 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 to achieve at that level one time, never mind 11. So I want to learn about John Wooden and how that occurs. And as I read his books, as I even watched, I can remember being a little boy, being in, enchanted by and so interested in John Wooden uh, when there was one game on uh, on a Saturday and not a thousand during the week like there is now, and you couldn't wait for that one game to come on TV, and I'd sit there and watch John Wooden coach and and what I you know everything I read about John Wooden Dennis was his focus on people development, um, 
on integrity, on on selflessness, on uh, humility, on care, on a number of different things that he he didn't he didn't go at that mediocre. He was extremely intention intentional to the point that he developed what's called the pyramid of success. And when you read what's in the pyramid, there's very little about basketball in that pyramid of success, Dennis. And is it a coincidence? You know, here's the thing, right? And I'll share one other thing with you that I, that I really want to try to integrate everywhere I go. When you read what's in the pyramid of success, it has very little to do with basketball because John Wooden, who was way ahead of his time, knew the power of personal development. He knew the power of those, some of those tenets I just talked about and how powerful a unit would be if everyone was committed to those things. If everybody realized the importance of those things, John Wooden made it very clear that I know like I recruited you to come here and play basketball and basketball will play. But what you may not have had a total grasp on, although I may have talked about it in my recruiting, as a matter of fact, I made sure to talk about it. You're going to walk out of here prepared to be a successful contributor to the world as a person. And what I know is the byproduct of that is going to be success. And, you know, I talk to corporate leaders and I talk to head coaches and I say this. There's three basic human needs that we desire. One is love. The other is appreciation. And the third is inclusion. Those are the three most powerful needs. With love being the most powerful emotion known to humankind. And I asked the question to myself as a leader If that is true, and I know it is, why are we not intentionally finding ways to integrate and build love within our culture? What are we, what are we afraid of? Why is love looked at, you know, in the athletic world, especially for boys or men's basketball, there's, you know, we're not going to sit around a campfire and start, you know, spreading love. Um, and that's, you know, it's unfortunate that love is looked at that way. And even in the corporate world where, you know, that's just we don't have the time for that. There's too much that needs to be done. There's too much work. But but really, Dennis, it's just it's just OK if that is the most powerful emotion and it will fuel our people to do everything at a whole different level. Why are we not intentionally finding ways to do that? See, I'm doing that. I've done that for a long time. And I know that it, and I know that it works. I know that it works. And it's not that complicated to do. It's not that complicated. Yeah, yeah. It's not at all. No, not at all. Yeah, Brene Brown was the second one. I love Brene Brown. Her, what I love about Brene Brown is she challenges leaders to be brave, to be courageous, to be vulnerable, to have, you know, tough conversations to um, to really be in honesty and truth 
to not be afraid to have disappointment occur and deal with it and talk about it and communicate about it and, and, and as well as failure and a whole bunch of other things. I think, I think Brene Brown brings in a education and, and a teachings and lessons around her writings that are current, that not only are they current, but they're also very valuable tools that are going to serve well in the future in respect to who you need to be as a leader. And so I, I'm always very interested in her writings and what she has to say. And I, and I, and I use, I use a lot of her information and a lot of her teachings uh, in my own programs. Yeah. Pedro, I'm just thinking about time that we've got together here. So I just want to ask you some other questions too. Uh, leadership is changing that title of the show. What does that mean for you? Well, I'll tell you, leadership for me is in the changing challenges. When you talk about artificial intelligence, when you talk about remote working, when you talk about um, technology in general, I mean, all of these things that are becoming very important, very prevalent in helping businesses be in the future and succeed in the future. I think as leaders, what we have to be very cognizant of is it's always it's always about the relationships that are going to mm. fuel us and prepare us to be successful going forward. And that as leaders, we can't get so lost in this technology that's coming out and these, I, this idea of remote working, which is, which isn't going away. It's, it's only going to be more demanding. And if we're going to keep talent, we need to make sure that we have that available. But the idea of this, okay, mm. let's not get lost in the old school principle that relationships are important and that somehow we need to take advantage of this technology. We need to take advantage of all those things. But at the same token, let's not lose lose sight of the core connections and relationships, which truly bring purpose to what people are doing. I think that's going to be a huge challenge and very important. I see it already today in remote workers. Yeah, very much so, yeah. Now, you know, you and I are living in a world, and, and you've just um, sort of suggested it there too, that we're living in a fast-paced, ever-changing world around data, technology, social, business, sports. Everything's just getting faster and faster. You know, if you look at the, the fastest person running 100 meters, it's getting faster. Technology is helping them too, all sorts of things. People talk about how do we make the boat go faster. There's all that side of thing happening as well. So, Today, what makes a leader successful in that fast-paced, ever-changing world? What, what's your thoughts on that? I think that it's going to be very important because you can get sucked into it very quickly. Yep. The most successful leaders are going to be those that are able to balance, being able to not get, get caught up in the fast pace of things and the things that are coming by so quickly and be able to take time and see the forest between the trees. In other words, they're reflecting upon, okay, I just spent three months on seven different activities and challenges and projects and things of that nature in order to keep up. What am I not seeing? What am I losing sight of? What am I not paying attention to? What am I not seeing the big picture about? And do I have the right people in place in order to, to execute what we need to execute? Have I, have I indulged and, in, and engaged myself so much 
that I've lost my skill, my most valuable skill. See, leadership is always going to be about knowing your people you're leading and influencing and motivating them. There are people that are going to be be, be part of this fast pace that are going to have to execute what you're looking to do. And and as the leader, if you get sucked into it and and lose focus of, no, no, I I have a different responsibility. My responsibility is to make sure all these people around me are influenced and motivated at the highest level to the degree I need to get into the weeds is where I need to be careful. Mm, Absolutely. And, and that's the trap. You're right. That's spot on because it definitely is a big trap for a lot of people. And they just walk into it so easily and then there's pressure put on them. Then there's the fear of, oh, if I don't do it, what's going to happen? And uh, absolutely. Now, Patrick, you and I have been talking about through the lens of a leader. If we were to change lenses and think about an employee today and, you know, we've you and I have got people who worked for us in the past. Or you and I have both been employees in the past as well. What, how's employees' expectations of leaders changed? Big change. And, you know, the biggest demand that people are, young people are having when they enter the workforce, I made some reference to it earlier, is they want to they want to be involved in collaborating and co-creating and they want balance. It's really interesting to me because I get caught up in it too, Dennis. I mean, these are things that I have to look at myself and, and change and work on. And that is, what do you mean you want time for your family? I mean, you got a job to do here and we need to get work done. And if I'm sitting here interviewing you and that comes up that, you know, you really, it's really important that you have some time with family and balance. If I'm not careful, because this is what they're going to be asking for, and this is what they're going to be demanding. That is, you know, as, as a leader, I have to understand where they're coming from and why that is. So, yeah, employees are going to be requiring that from us. They're 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 requiring the ability to um, be and have an opportunity where there's diversity that may be in play. In other words, employees themselves talk about these younger people that are coming in, their want and their need to have diversification within the workforce. And because they're right, Dennis, the world, I can tell you in America, the world is changing. There's diversity all over the place. These kids are growing up in diversity. So when I go look to work for a company or look work for an employer, this is something that becomes important to me. And how how are we embracing diversity? And employees are wondering, what is the makeup of our workforce. Who am I going to be working with, and and and, and what's what's the cro- cross blend of all different types of aspects of the diversity that 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 is out there? And so, I'm just I'm just, I just know very well that there's going to be some really talented people who come to me who want to work for this company where that's going to be an important factor, and. And they're going to want to demand that from us. And, and how are we looking at changing that? I look at our own corporation. We're working really hard at establishing that. We're working really hard at being conscientious of building that. But I'll tell you, Dennis, in some of these corporations, we, we got a long way to go. We got a long way to go. 
but that's what they're going to want. You know, we built a new corporate headquarters and I went down to it the other day. And I know you know this and, and none of your listeners are going to be shocked by this, but this is what do employees want. They want some play areas. They want a pool table. They want a ping pong table. They want a quiet place to go sit and reflect for a while. They, I mean, I mean, is this a country club or is it a work, work, uh, workplace? It's just what they're asking for. And we have to be prepared to adjust as industrial age leaders. We have to learn to say, okay, there's something to this. And I don't want to lose out on the most productive, high elite quality workforce that's out there looking for employment and looking for placement. We want them attracted to our corporation. We want them coming to see us. And, and, the, and this is what they're going to this is what they're going to demand from us. Yeah, and they are. And, and and it's been around for a long, long time, but a lot of them haven't been willing to or didn't have that courage to want it or demand it. And with the Brene Browns and so forth are helping people understand that they can ask for these kind of things and they should do it as well. Yeah. And why not? I mean, good on them. I mean, they spend most of their life working with people. Uh, let's make it a little bit more fun and enjoyable and someplace to go. Because if that, if we can do that, and we'd be smart as leaders to help them grow, be the best people. Because a lot of them, Patrick, I'm finding is, in fact, there's a person I was working with recently who somebody left and the person was young and millennial and they, you know, and then I started going on about them. And it's like, whoa, 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 wait a sec. You got to think about why they actually left and think about it. And it was, they're actually looking for strong leadership. Maybe you might want to look and do a little bit of reflection yourself in the mirror to see, are you the right leader? Have you been given the right, th- doing the right things? Will you ever be perfect once again? No. But the thing is, is that we need to be going on that track. So it's really interesting. And, um, and it seems to be getting louder and louder every year of late. So it's pretty, really interesting to see. You know what they're hearing, Dennis, and, and they're not hearing it. They they observed it. Well, they're feeling it. And they're feeling it for sure. But they're looking at their parents. Okay. And, 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 you know, when dad comes home or mom comes home for many, many years as they were growing up saying, I'm just not having a lot of fun, but I'm paying the bills and we're putting food on the table. And I'm going to go back and do the same thing tomorrow because that's what's important. We have to have a roof over our heads. And it's not about whether I like my job or not. As a matter of fact, I hate my job. Yep. And and I'm sure they've, you know, they observed that and said, is that the life I want? And and, and to quite frankly, I, I don't want to minimize it because, you know, leadership is so imperative. And we've had great leaders historically. I mean, there's, so I don't want to judge it as as, as, as being poor. But what I will say is, and I hear this from coaches, these kids demand so much more than, than kids in the past. I hear leaders say, God, these, these new workers demand so much more. Well, I'm going to use your statement. Good on them. They don't want to be 55 years old and say, I just do it every day because I got to pay the bills and I hate my job. I, I totally get what you're saying there because there are a lot of people like that. And mum and dad come home and they're grumpy, overwhelmed. Um, and so, and then so a lot of kids don't even get to know them. But you're right. I mean, on one side, they go, you know, we, we bring in the money in, we've got a good life here and things like that. But there is more to life. Now, that's easy for you and I to say, but not always easy to do. And um, and the thing is, when I said about before about they feel it, if, if, if other employees are saying about these, well, coaches are saying these young kids demand more, 
the, even if they don't hear us saying it, they're feeling it from us. They feel it as part of the way that we come across them and that. So uh, you and I could probably talk about this topic for, 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 for many days. Patrick, final question here for you, and that is, if I'll get you to get your crystal ball out, where do you see leadership being in five years? This might be a shock to you, or as I thought more about it, I think leadership is going to look more like lateral. I mean, there will always be a leader, but I do believe the most successful corporations will have a commitment to what I call lateral leadership. And that is that, you know, we not only have, you know, quote unquote, a leader, but I think in the future, there's going to be different levels of corporations um, in the hierarchy of things where we're going to be developing what we call lateral leaders. And they're going to be taking on a more extensive role around leadership that's that's consistent with, you know, overall leadership. But what they're going to have to be learning and doing um, is going to be a responsibility that hasn't existed uh, up to this point. So there, there has to be all of these, whether you're a leader or a lateral leader, you have to be in touch with always, always embracing change. And you're going to have to be always in touch with coming from a place of optimism because the change and the technology that's going to be in front of every corporation or, or, um, group of leaders to implement and integrate and execute is such that there are, there's going to be a lot of questioning and fear and un, un, uncertainty on the part of the employee side that this level of optimism and solutions and being in, in the solution and having an attitude of positivity is going to be more uh, challenging than it's ever been because with technology comes quick change and with any technology project that I've ever been involved with, there are pain points that occur, not only in the process uh, process of developing it, but actually putting it out there and executing it and having clients work it, that there's these bugs, there's these challenges, there's these systems. And it and it leads to lack of trust. I, I see it every I see it every day that we shouldn't have we should have been more prepared. We should have done more beta testing before we put it out there. Now we've got a bunch of clients that are unsettled and not happy with our service. And so there's these elements that, again, technology brings in uh, that leaders in the past did not have to be so prepared for in order to to adjust, to integrate change is what we're going to be facing. And we have to develop this culture of being excited about it, being able to be positive about it, optimistic about it, and work through it so that we have this consistency around trust and belief in what we're doing. So those are just some of the things that I believe uh, they're going to be faced with down the road. Fascinating. Patrick, hey, thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where, where should they go? Best place is my website. It's Elite Performance Tui, um, 2-e.com. So Elite Performance 2 is one word, and it's T-O-O dash e.com is the best way to get a hold of me. I also have a Facebook page under the same name and a Twitter page under the same name. The book itself is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. And if you actually Googled create forever teammates, there's other book outlets that have it available, but those are the best ways. 
Awesome. We'll put those in the show notes. But once again, Patrick, fascinating discussion. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Dennis. All right, listeners. Remember, it's always about the relationship and always embrace change. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, and your network. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question you have for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.